I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Welcome to this week's Blue Murder Club. My name's Lauren and I'm here with my host, Carrie. Hello, Lauren. Hello. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Jazzed. Pumped up. <laughs> jazzed. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I'm going to steal that word. I'm feeling jazzed too. Good. Good. Yeah. Had yeah. a lovely sunny week, haven't we? Yeah. Thank God summer's here. <sighs> it's nice. Although my, someone needs to tell my office that because it's still Arctic. I've, oh. had, I've spent all day in a fleece, which upsets <gasps> me. Because you know how I feel about disgusting yeah. fashion. I don't like a place. And um, covered in goosebumps. Jesus yeah. Christ. But it's all right. I'm not yeah. going to complain. I'm nice and warm now. Good, good. Yeah, it's nice and warm. This is what I have to deal with. We've got no air con. I don't even think we've got a fan. No. Has. So I do sweat it out quite a lot. But yeah. <laughs> you're making, you. making me all jealous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's been a nice week, isn't it? Nice bit of weather. Yeah. Nice relaxing weekend. And here we are ready to... Um, in full your ear holes with our lovely dulcet tones and our <laughs> stories of crimes from around the world. Yeah, I can't call myself dulcet tones at all. You're dulcet toned, mm. babe. I'm like a cheese. Now it's going down a blackpool. <laughs> in that way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Have that. So, oh. yeah, here we are back for another episode of Around the World with Kaz and Loz. Whoop, whoop. I'm looking forward to this country. Bringing the energy. We're off to the land down under, aren't we, babe? Get your veg, pack your Vegemite sandwiches. Under. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to figure the song out. Yeah, it's meant at work, isn't it? It's, yeah. We come from a land down under. I don't know the second word, no. but you know. Yeah, yeah, that's where we're going. Perth, Australia, aren't we, for this week's episode? Sure Do you are. want to tell everyone what we're talking about this week? Yeah, we called the Morehouse Murders. Mm-hmm. So the Bernies. The bloody Bernies. The Bernies. Now, Bernie seems quite a placid name doesn't it yeah but these assholes are not placid not so much they're fuckers <laughs> this is a classic case of these who should never have crossed paths yes i agree i can't agree more they are two they two just assholes honestly just the absolute fuckers i think i texted you last night didn't i you definitely text me these are fuckers these are fuckers <laughs> i don't know they're fuckers <laughs> yeah they're not as bad as fred and rose are no, they but they're not they're up there they're up there yeah in, in the same, in, you know, husband and wife team. They are a cross between Fred and Rose and Myra and... Yeah. Myra and Brady. Brady, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ian. Yeah. Um, because they use their tactics, don't they, for the, like... Picking well, up the women yeah, and stuff. Yeah. yeah, But then they do what Fred and Rose did. Yeah, yeah. I think it's... Yeah, you're right, definitely. It's there's like a crossover. There's a combination. Yeah. Definitely. I think so. I think as we get more into the story, you'll see a lot of Myra Hindley yeah. in Catherine Burney. Yes. Exactly that. In the infatuation mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Whereas Rose West, I think she weren't infatuated no. with anyone except herself. herself. She? No, I agree completely. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's a lot. The mouthfuls. Yeah, absolutely. So, should we get started? Let's uh, let's do this, yeah. Let's go. So, I've got Catherine this week and you've got uh, good old David. Yes. So, let's start with Catherine. Yeah, go so. on. Ladies first. Ladies first. Oh, can you call that a lady? Not so much. No. <laughs> Fucking arsehole first. <laughs> so, Catherine Margaret Harrison was born on the 23rd of May, 1951. 
She lost her mother at the age of two in childbirth, so the mum was giving birth to her brother, and the brother also passed away two days after Kaz. Mm. She then moves with her father, Harold, to South Africa. Harold had a really strange relationship with Catherine. One minute he wanted her, and the next he didn't. So he'd push her away, thinking he couldn't look after her, and then he'd want her back, trying to look after her. And he just was really, I think, suffering maybe with a bit of mental health. Or I'm, I'm not sure. So especially after losing his wife and son too. Yeah, it's so, horrible, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, a family's going to be rocked to the yeah. foundations if that happens. Yeah. Mm. So I just think he was struggling. Um, and they were, at them days, they didn't have much. They was like, just crack on with it. So he sent her back to Perth to live with her grandparents, her maternal grandparents. That's probably quite a good thing to do, actually. Yeah. Mm. I thought that, because I thought... You want your mum to look after your kids when you say happy yeah. to you, I think. Yeah. So um, she felt like a burden and that no one wanted her. Her mum, uh, grandmother was really, really strict with her and wouldn't allow local children around the house. So Catherine didn't really socialise with other children and didn't have friends. She was described as a sad, lonely child with no friends. She was only oh, sorry, she was only ten years old when her nan passed away and Harold won a custody battle and got her back. And he took her and she, to another part of Perth. And next, who lived next door to them, about twelve years old, she met a neighbour and he's David, mm-hmm. David Burney. So at 12 years old, she's met this neighbour and they've started a re- relationship. But I'd say relationship with a pinch of salt at first. But by the age of 13, they be- both come into a sexual relationship. Um, so because of the neglect, the Bernies, the, I don't want to dive into it because that's your arm. David was taken into care. So it meant the couple was separated. Mm. So do you want to do David's history and then we'll get back on to them too? Yeah, yeah, because obviously they're past cross at age 12. <coughs> um, so yeah, David John Burney was born on the 16th of February 1951. So mm-hmm. yeah, only about three months before Catherine. So the same age, same yeah. school year, blah, blah, in Wattle Grove, which is a suburb of Perth, Western Australia. Um, he was the eldest of five children. And he grew up in a semi-rural suburb. Uh-huh. And um, his mum was described as an alcoholic. And his dad was described as like working away quite a lot, weren't around very much. Some people said he had a disability. Some people say he didn't. I don't know. Benefit, wasn't there. Benefit fraud right there. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. He worked two jobs. So I think he, I don't know. I suppose it's expensive to keep an alky wife and, mm-hmm. what, six kids. So, yeah, poor David... It's, he's, he was expected as the eldest to help out with the little mm-hmm. ones and stuff like that. Um, so they moved to a place called Left Lane, which was a suburb of East Perth where they met. He weren't very happy. He was bullied at school. You can imagine, um, like, people, all the documentaries I've watched, like, um, David's first wife spoke about his upbringing and stuff because obviously he'd confided in her. And I was thinking, like, the way they describe it, I thought it just sounds like it was the feral family. Yeah. I think we've all come across them for our lives. And to be honest, the children get a fucking rough hand at school because no one wants to sit with the smelly kid. Yeah. And when you're a child, you don't have empathy. You just think, oh, no, there's, I'm going to catch yeah. nits off them. I don't want them anywhere near me. And it can yeah. make you feel lonely, can't it, I think, yeah. if you're in, if you're that poor kiddie. Um, there, was one, there was one instance. So David had a Sunday school teacher who's on this documentary, which I think we both watched. And uh, she described like she'd bump into his mum on the bus. I think his mum, yeah, his mum was called Margaret Burney, actually. His dad was called Johnny Burney. And um, she described that like she'd see um, Margaret would come on the bus. This woman's name's Arlene. She ran Sunday school and she was a neighbour. And she said like the mum would come on and she'd be really drunk and she'd just plonk herself in the bus (laughs) and she'd have one of the kids with her, one of the baby kids. And the baby is so unlooked after, it'd have like a wet, like dirty nappy. Pissy nappy, yeah. Yeah, and she'd just plunk it on the lap of the person next to her and just get her fags out, get a magazine and just like literally leave this like feral child sitting on someone's back. <laughs> Until was... she got to her bus stop and then she'd get off again. Then the lady said, wouldn't it, you was unlucky because you'd be the 
like soaking wet and yeah. smell of piss. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> I love the yeah. Australians, how they, oh, it's how so they funny. describe, yeah. Yeah, yeah So, yeah, she was quite rough and ready. Obviously, she was suffering with alcoholism, which meant mm-hmm. made her a terrible mum. She weren't very good at being a parent. I don't know why she kept popping kids out. Perhaps it was yeah. before birth control. Probably was, yeah. actually, in the 50s. Yeah. Um, yeah, so obviously, David, not very happy. He's quite a little man as well. He's quite small. His dad was really small, so I should imagine that's probably another target for the bullies when he's at school. Yeah. Um, he was... <laughs> so he left school at about 14 or 15 years old. Um, obviously, by then, he had met Catherine, mm-hmm. and they'd entered into... Like they they become like you said, they were friends, first mm-hmm. of all, and then like, by the time they were 14, they were described as being intimate with each yeah. other. Um, and, yeah, he was in and out of care. I think at one point he was expected to look after the little baby called Jamie. Jamie pops up in the story a bit later. Mm -hmm. And I know I shouldn't laugh, but fucking hell, this is one head of a story Jamie's got to tell. Yeah. And I think his his ex-wife just said, like, if Jamie done something wrong, he would get the blame. Like, his mum would just blame him instead of, I don't know, he shouldn't blame a baby either. But, you know, Dave's a little more than a baby himself. He's a kid looking after a kid. He's doing his best, which isn't very good. Yeah. Um... Yeah, but this is the thing. They both have had this disruptive, unorthodox childhood and I think that's why they bonded with each other. He's lonely, she sounds really lonely. Mm-hmm. And they've paid each other attention and that's been a bit intoxicating to them. Yeah, I agree. I think she's always craved for some kind of want. For love. Yeah, mm-hmm. she, she just wanted to feel wanted. She felt like a burden to her dad because yeah. he couldn't decide to have her or not. She felt like a burden to her nan because they were elderly and she felt like she was too much to look after her. So I think she always felt like a burden. As mm-hmm. soon as she got someone that wanted her, that mm-hmm. was it. Yeah, it was, definitely. That was it. That's all she ever wanted. So, yeah. Um. So I'll just go on a little bit about David's early life mm-hmm. once he left school. Um. So, yeah, he left school quite early. He weren't happy there. And um, he, because of his stature, he thought he'd make a really good jockey. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Um, so about age fourteen or fifteen, this is. He works at the stables, and the man who owns the stables um, gives him a chance. He wants to help mm-hmm. this young man out, so he gives him a chance, hires him as an apprentice jockey. And he said one day he went and visited David in his home, and he said, "This is what he said: the ashtray in the living room was two feet high with fag butts." Wow, <laughs> that's how disgusting wow. the houses that David and his siblings grew up in. I suppose if your mum's an alky, that's probably the squalor that you're used to. And like you mentioned, the kids were constantly taken out of her care and put into uh, foster care, Mm -hmm. but then sent back all the time. In and out of foster care is very disruptive. It's really upsetting and obviously will mess with your mind as a kid. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, so he... um, So he gets this opportunity and he just threw it away. Apparently he was... Um, physically abusive to the horses and um, he tried to rape his landlady. Wow. So he walked into this lady, his landlady, she's quite elderly and one night he just walks in her room wearing nothing at all except a stocking over his head and tries to rape her. Luckily she's got a dog and the dog sees him off. But obviously um, his employer finds out about this and fires him. Jesus. I don't think he got any kind of legal reprimand over it but he did get the sack. (laughs) I need to know what he was doing to these horses as well. It just said physically abusing them, which made me think, thank God it wasn't sexually yeah. abusing them. Well, but yeah. as you said it, I did straight away go sexual abuse because of this case. Yeah, but no, so there was no was evidence just... of bestiality. Yeah, I thought that's where, where this was going from, wasn't it? I was like, yeah. oh no. <laughs> oh no. Wow. So over to you. So we're in the mid-60s now, and Catherine and David meet up again. Catherine had left school at this point. And she became a uh, blind. What, what, what? She she worked at making blinds. But, yeah, I was going to say a blind maker, and I was like, does yeah. that make sense? Well, it's a funny word, isn't it? Blind because it can yeah. mean you can't see, or it's the things that block out the light. Yeah. And I was thinking that when I was when I was writing down my research, I was like, I've got to yeah. oh, be careful how I phrase this. That's what I was thinking. She became yeah. blind. No, a no. blind maker. <laughs> she became a blind maker. Yeah, yeah. a blind maker. Yeah. So. Um, she was besotted by David. Her father tried in vain to steer her away because he just knew that he was no good for her. And he yeah. was like, no, no, please don't go away. Leave her, leave him alone. But she didn't have none of it. And when your dad's at that age, 
you rebel, don't you? You're like, oh, mm-hmm. my dad knows nothing. I'm going to do what I want. You do, don't you? Yeah. Most it, girls do. Yeah, if, you, if you're told that your grand did, you just sneak out your bedroom yeah. window. So then do it anyway. Yeah, exactly. The more forbidden it was, that's what I've got written down, the mm. harder she fell for David. Yeah. Because you're going to. So the, they were constantly getting into trouble with the police. And when they both were on 18, uh, when they both were 18 on the 11th of June 1969, they both pleaded guilty to 11 charges of breaking and entering, stealing goods worth $3,000, they had stolen equipment to crack a safe at a drive-in theatre. And I was just like, I had Grace playing in my head, and I'm just thinking, imagine Grace, the set of Grace. Oh, yeah. And them two were in the back fucking trying to seal the safe. Yeah. Weird place, isn't it? Yeah. Strange. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah. But at this point, and this is, I couldn't get much more out of this and it drove me mad, but Catherine was pregnant with another man's child. So who's she having sex with other than David? She obviously weren't that besotted with him. No, that's what I'm thinking. (laughs) So because of this, she was placed, she got a lenient sentencing to David. So what David got, I'm trying to find it. So she got probation anyway. Yeah, he got nine months, nine months. in prison. And um, she had the child placed into care because of this. So on the 21st of June, 1970, David broke out of prison and this led to a couple to start a three-week crime spree again. They were caught three weeks later and they racked up another 53 charges against them and this time they both were sent to prison. Australian Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, they are. So, with that, throughout all her years, like, she's been pushed away from him, this did actually give her a chance, and I think the dad a chance to get her away from him, out of his clutches. So, when she left prison, she was encouraged by a parole officer and her father to start working for the (laughs) McLaughlin family. I'm so sorry. I was going to say McCock, and I was like, that's not right. As a housekeeper and nanny, to start a new life and wipe the slate clean. She's even gone so far to reply to get her, her first son back by this point. So while she was there, she had a relationship with one that I think she's quite promiscuous, one of the sons of the family she had been hired by. They fell in love and she married Donald McLaughlin on her 21st birthday. She, they had six children together. And she had her firstborn son with her as well. Um, Their first child together was called Little Donnie. And life life started to feel good for them until tragedy struck. Little Donnie was struck and crushed to death on the family home driveway during a family gathering. And friends were there as well. And he was only seven months old, Kaz. Mm. The couple were devastated by this. However, they continued to raise a big family and Donald worked and Catherine was a homemaker. Until fate stepped in again and Donald got a back injury, which meant he had to give up work. So they ended up on government welfare and in the government housing. So she felt like the rug had been pulled from under her after having a normal life, what she so craved and wanted. She had to be a housewife as well as a carer for Donald and her father. Her father's ageing. She's got both of them there and she feels like, I believe, she starts sinking into a bit of depression. Mm. She was deeply unhappy. The housework slipped. It started to get really filthy in there. But also caring for the kids. Like, she just couldn't be bothered to do anything anymore. The house was filthy. The kids were unkept and had no rules to keep them in line. It was said, she had said to someone... She was done having children, so she booked herself in to have a hysterectomy. Mm. And David knew where she was, came to see her at the hospital while she was recovering. It's speculated that they were having an affair for two years prior to this. So do you want to take it to what David's up to now? Yeah, so when David um, got out of prison, Mm -hmm. he met a girl called Kerry, and she's the lady that's on the documentary. Um. Just seems like a normal lady to me. She does. Yeah, she's very down to earth kind of a girl. Um, yeah, so he actually proposed to Kerry the first date, the very first date, and they got oh. yeah they got married for one month after they first met. So that's love at first sight. It's quite yeah. cute. They had a very successful marriage. They married uh, for ten years. Wow. Um, so during their marriage, they have a daughter called Tanya, and um, everything's hunky dory. 
until six years into the marriage. One day, Davey's at work. He's working on a dredging barge and he suffered an, a head injury. Now, we all know what happens to the, in these stories if there's a head injury. Mm-hmm. It doesn't turn them into you know, a saint, it does the opposite. And unfortunately, that's this is what happened. The way Kerry describes it is that it was a gradual process. He started out just picking, like nitpicking. Yeah. Which he said he'd never done before. Um, And it just got worse and worse and built and built until eventually he was just being horrible to her all of the time. And then he started to have multiple affairs with lots of different women. And she said it, their marriage had been really happy up until the day that he had the bump on the head. Wow. Um, so it sounds like the head injury is... He's got some kind of brain damage yeah. from it. Um, so, yeah, she put up with it. She was, you know, much more patient than a lot of women would be. But she put up with it for quite a long time. Uh, the last straw was one day he brought home his new 16-year-old girlfriend to live with them in their home. Um, what he did was he took Tanya out of her bedroom yeah. and got her to sleep with her mum so that him and his teenage girlfriend could take over Tanya's bedroom. Um, that's the final straw for Kevin. She leaves him. So she moves out. Um, and Catherine and he rekindle their relationship. The 16-year-old, surprise, surprise, didn't last very long, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I think if you're in your 30s and you're 16-year-old girlfriend, it's yeah. not going to last five seconds, is it? And it didn't. So, But, yeah, but obviously during this period, there's been a two-year overlap where he's been seeing Catherine again. They've hooked up again. So, yeah, Catherine moves in. The couple, this is Catherine and David, they move into the house, the infamous house, at Morehouse Street. And Kerry said that when she used, to, she used to take Tanya to go and visit her dad, she was shocked at the state of the house. So it sounds like even when Catherine doesn't have all that responsibility, mm-hmm. she still doesn't really seem like she's keeping up with the chores and the household and things like that. She said it it was a pig sigh. She said she was shocked at the state of the house when she took Tanya to visit her dad. Wow. David um, got a job at a nearby car wreckers yard and he starts to get really into S&M. Um, I haven't mentioned it before, but Dave, everyone said David had a ridiculously high sex mm-hmm. drive. Um, he needed to have sex like five, six times a day, otherwise he'd get really like angry and stuff. Which, But Kerry didn't say that. Um, this is stuff that come about, I think, after the head injury, to yeah. be honest. There wasn't really a, a big indication of anything Obviously, he did try to rape his landlady, though, so I don't know, really. I'm not sure, but mm. this is all the information we've got. Um, yeah, so there was... Um, there was, He's got a... Right, he's got a brother, Jamie, who I mentioned before. <laughs> the baby, Jamie, we used to have to yeah. look after. So, Jamie, as he got older, he became a sexual deviant as well. So, oh. he... Um, he got nine years for raping an 80-year-old woman. But before that, he got six months because he indecently assaulted his six-year-old niece. Yeah. And he said that the girl, the six-year-old girl, led him on. Yeah. <laughs> she said, he said, the six-year-old led him on, you don't know what they can be like. Yeah, I've got that written down. It's mental, isn't feel, it? What a strange thing to say. So, yeah, he'd done a bit of time for that. And when he came out of prison, he couldn't go back home to live with his mum because his mum already had a restraining order out on him. This is a very dysfunctional family, just yeah. in case you're not getting the picture, listeners. Um, so so um, he said that David wasn't happy about it, but he did let him sleep. He let, he let his younger brother, Jamie, when he came out of prison for molesting the niece, mm-hmm. let him live with him and Kathy. And... Um, he said one day, him and Kathy had had a massive row and Kathy had fucked off and left him for a few days. And um, he said three days he'd gone without having sex. Like he kept going out trying to get other women to have sex with and stuff and he wasn't successful. And by the third day, he was climbing the walls because he hadn't had sex. So he asked Jamie, his own younger brother, if he wouldn't mind if he had sex with him. <laughs> you know, Kathy's not around. I need to put my knob in something. And oh. um, Jamie was like, obviously jog on no I don't want you to do that that's not what I'm you know just yeah. I mean can't can you imagine <laughs> what a conversation um but yeah he made it very clear Jeez. under no circumstances do I want you to have sex with me um but then Jamie said he went to sleep and he woke up 
because David was trying to have sex with him while he was asleep. Jeez. So he's trying to rape his own brother, brother just because he hadn't had sex for three days. So there's definitely something very wrong with this man. Love. He's he's very um, he's got some kind. He's definitely brain damage, no doubt about it. Mm. Sex sex addiction, no doubt about it. Um, and they also said that while Jamie was living there, it was his twenty first birthday. Yeah, and for a present. Um, he could have sex with Kathy. Oh, lucky him. Happy birthday, brah. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Jesus. So, um, so, yeah, that kind of brings us up to what's going on in the lives of Kathy and David. Yeah. So, Kathy, by the way, they did never get married, but she changed her name by depot to Bernie. Why do you think they didn't get married? I don't know. Do I you, don't. Do you think he was still still married? I to... think they both were still married because yeah. she leaves her husband. She says she's going for a walk. Yeah, and she just gets up and goes. She just phones him, didn't she? Just yeah. say she's not coming back. So yeah. she probably didn't go through proper well, legal no, divorce proceedings. He, he reported her missing. Yeah. Donald reported her missing. The police find her with David. He, she tells the police she ain't going back to him. Oh. And the police go back and have to tell Donald she ain't coming back. We found her with David. Yeah. She, she's left you, mate. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. So it don't sound like anything was done officially no. about divorce, does it? No. So that's why she just changed her name by Deepa. Yeah. But... <laughs> God. Yeah. But yeah, he had, he, was, he had a large, large collection of pornographic material mm-hmm. and yeah. was just like everything in sex was his life, I think, apart from work. That was it, really. Yeah. So about the needle. So they had... Yeah. <laughs> Don't. We were talking about this earlier, weren't yeah. we? Yeah. They had experimented sexually as far as they could go. Yeah. So that included, you name it, they'd done it, they'd uh-huh. tried it, threesomes, etc. Because I think on that... um Yeah, on that documentary, Kerry said that he'd asked her if she'd be up for a threesome. And she went, yeah, what bloke are we going to get? Yeah. And she said he never mentioned no, it again. dropped it, Because he? he obviously wanted the threesome <laughs> to be a woman, not a man. <laughs> Lol, she seemed like a proper crack, didn't she? She did, she I liked so her. Funny. Really, really liked But yeah, her. I think Jamie said that when he was living there, he saw um, David inject his penis with numbing, like anaesthetic, so he wouldn't, so he could last longer. I don't know, but he continued to have sex, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, with I, the anaesthetic in I his I can't understand knob. it. I don't know, some, pe- some other people said he injected his knob with cocaine. Wow. I don't understand drugs no. or needles or things like that. So I, I don't know. Like, I don't get it. I didn't fancy going on my internet search engine to find no. out about it either. So yeah, I'm just going to put sometimes a pin in that. think what people must think when mm. we Google all this shit for this podcast. I'm like, oh, here she is. Google it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's some things I'm not going to look up. I'm just going to put a pin in that leave it yeah. there. That's what they done. Don't know why. <laughs> don't really care. <laughs> Let's get on with the story. Why did the pin have a needle? <laughs> So, oh my so God. yeah, they um, got into more voyeurism with this, and the need grew in David, and willing, and the willing grew in Kathleen. Mm. Uh, they tried everything possible that to satisfy David, but it was just not enough. And he started to fantasize about brutally raping and murdering young girls. He said to Kathleen, 
can't say her name now, that if she helped, she would have the best, most intense orgasm of her life. So they started to research, practice and role play for a year before any crime happened. They're going in it now, because they're in it, and he's trying to say to her, you will love it. Just shut up, do it. And where she just, I don't know why she's so fucking willing. It makes me so mad. But he's, he's saying to her, we've done everything we can do here. It's not satisfying me anymore. I need this. And because I need it, you're going to do it and you're going to love it too. Mm. So That's about the long and short yeah. of it, isn't it? Yeah. He's talked her into it. Yeah. And she's doing it. Yeah. She don't care about anything other than fulfilling his needs, yeah. which is a fucking odd thing to say. Scary. Hmm. Yeah, he's weird, isn't it? Yeah. Fucking weird. Yeah, so we've got um obviously there's there's four victims mm-hmm. and then there's um a couple of maybes. Yeah. I'm gonna touch on one of the maybes just yeah. to keep in chronological order. Oh, okay. So there was so like you mentioned, a year earlier is when mm-hmm. they start banding this idea around of of David having non consensual sex with a person that they've abducted. So a year earlier, he had been stalking a woman called Audrey, a young woman who worked as an estate agent locally. And he stalked her for around about a week. He kept bugging her and pestering her and stuff like that. Um, So I just thought, you know, you said they started to plan it and look into it and Mm -hmm. stuff. I think they was trying to find out the best way to abduct a woman. So they've tried doing it that way. And obviously it hasn't worked. She's just ignored them and it hasn't, she hasn't, come to their house or yeah. done anything that they wanted to do so that's when they move on to how they are successful in doing it like you say it's tried and tested with the moors murderers and the wests it's the old yeah. picking them up from the side of the road and having a woman in the car because they feel safer with a woman precisely this is this is exactly what they did so here we are this is in the 11th of october 1986 mm-hmm. um there's a young woman called Mary Nielsen, she's 22 years old and she's a psychology student. She goes to the University of West Australia. Um, She is, obviously she's a student, she's quite poor. She's got a part-time job in a deli, but she ain't got a lot of money. Mm -hmm. She needs some new tyres. Now, he works at a breaker's yard, so she goes to the breaker's yard. You know what it's like. I mean, when I was a youngster, I was in breaker's yards all the time trying to get, like, you know, spare parts of my old bangers and stuff. Um, so, yeah, she wanted to get some spare tyres. Yeah. Just, they call them part warms here, don't yeah. they? Get some part warms. Um, and he said to her, look, Joe, well, um, I've got quite a lot of stuff at my house. If you want to pop round later on, here's my dress and um, you'll get a better deal. So Mary's had no reason not to trust him at all. So she's gone to their home at Morehouse Road and um, Morehouse Street, isn't it, I think? Mm-hmm. And... Um, that's where they've abducted her. As soon as she's walked in the house, they've bound her, gagged her, chained her to the bed, and David's raped her. Right? He, um, in front of Catherine, while he's doing this, Catherine's basically like two minutes. She's she's asking him questions and making notes and writing down what he likes best. And she's a very avid student, Lauren. Um... After he's finished doing that, he goes and dumps Mary's car while Catherine keeps guard. Mm-hmm. Um, she drives a gallant sedan. Mm-hmm. And this is found six days later at a parking lot opposite the local police station. They'd read this book to try and get some ideas of what to do. And apparently in the book it suggested hiding stuff like that in plain sight. So just park it in a police station. No one will think to look there. Parking and obviously for six days no one did. Yeah. So it does work. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the book was called A Perfect Murder and they'd use it as a blueprint for their crimes. Yeah. Um, so, the next day, they drive her to the Glen Eagle National Park. He rapes her again and then takes her outside, digs a shallow grave and while she's uh, kneeled in front of him, he takes an iron cord and a stick as a, like a garret and he uh, very slowly strangles the poor lady to death and buries her. Uh, immediately her mum and dad um, well her mum and dad were on holiday actually in the UK but somebody raises the alarm straight away because for her to disappear is really out of character um, within a couple of days her case goes from missing persons to a suspicious homicide wow because they're like where is she she's not at her job she's not at her college she's not at her house that kind of thing so um, and then obviously a car turns up so I think it turns into a suspicious homicide 
Wow. Um, so let, that's the 11th of October is their first murder. Mm-hmm. On the 20th of October, so only nine days later, probably eight actually after they've killed her, they find their second victim. She's a she's a child. She's not even like yeah. a, a, old enough to consent. So she's 15 years old. Her name's Susanna Candy. And um, she was um, coming home from her part-time job. Her dad usually collected her, but he couldn't that day. Her dad was, uh, she was from a really good family. Um, her dad was one of the top ophthalmic surgeons in the area. And um, yeah, so she, I think she was just walking home. Some accounts said she was hitchhiking, some just said she was just walking home. But either way, she was, walk, she was walking along the Sterling Highway in Claremont, which was a nearby highway, which apparently they used to cruise up and down looking for victims on oh, this okay. highway. And she was abducted by the couple. Um, Catherine's presence made her trust, like you said, made made yeah. the girl, girls trust them. Um, they had this code, I'm sure you've heard it, but Catherine said, I've got the munchies, when she fancied one of the girls that was in the car. Yeah. And if he said, oh, me too, I've got the munchies, that meant, yeah, Fucking we're going ta- to take this young woman. So, but I think as soon as the young woman was in the back of the car, one of them would turn around and put a knife to her throat anyway. Straight away. So they took her home. They chained her to the bed naked. Um, obviously rapes her repeatedly. And they forced her to write two letters to her family to say that she'd gone to Queensland with some friends. And they also forced her to phone her phone home the next day to, again to say that she's with friends and that she's safe. Um, after David rapes her, Catherine gets into the bed because by now she's taken notes and she knows that that turns him on and they both attempt to strangle Susanna but Susanna she goes nuts she's fighting for her life she struggles so much that they they can't manage to do it so um what they do is they force some sleeping pills down her down her and once she's asleep then um David gets Catherine to prove his love by murdering Susanna so, yeah, that's what Catherine does to show how much she loves her man. She uh, kills his 15-year-old sleeping young woman. It's terrible. Yeah, it's fucking gross. Um, so, yeah, they, they take her body and they bury her in a shallow grave in the same area as Mary Nielsen over in um, the Glen Eagle National mm-hmm. Park. They, they bury her over there. Uh, she was a student, the young lady, the 15-year-old Susanna. She was a student at Hollywood High School. Mm-hmm. And by all accounts, she was... A joy to be around. She was brought pleasure to everybody, and um, yeah, so Catherine God. killed her because, and she, she said she wanted to see how strong she was, and she said that she felt nothing as she thought she would. Jesus Christ! It's all about cold. Yeah, I mean, she's a mum. Yeah, yeah, it's awful. But she don't care. She don't care. I think she says something about well, Susanna was a woman. Women hurt men yeah. more than we can ever. It's like she wasn't. She was actually. She was a kid. She's a kid. Yeah. And you know, she's chained and brutally raped. How is she hurting anyone? Yeah. She's she, she not a flyer. No. He's a very skewed kind of. Yeah. So she said she was a female. Females hurt and destroy males. That yeah, was her words. That was a fucking prick. It's just her trying to justify yeah. it, isn't it? Yeah. So that brings us to the first of November. Mm-hmm. And there's a 31-year-old called Nolene Patterson. She was standing beside a car on the Canning Highway. She had run out of petrol. She had just finished a job. She was a bar manager at the Nedlands Golf Club. And she was relieved to see a familiar face as David had helped wallpaper her house two weeks ago. So she's seen David and she straight away she's thought, oh, I know this guy, I've just been with this guy, he's fine. So her friends had described her as elegant, quiet, charming, and she lived with her mother. So she had, um, so once inside the car, she had a knife held to her throat like the first two. She was tied up and told not to move. She was taken back to Moorhouse Street where David repeatedly raped her after she was gagged and chained to the bed. They had already uh, originally decided to, to murder her the same night, but David kept her prisoner at the house for three days, Kaz. And there were signs that he started to develop an emotional attraction to a person. Jealous Catherine, she was a fucking seething with jealousy, this woman. Seething that David's come to like this girl. Um, so she, she's basically said to David, you've either got to kill her or I'm going to kill myself. What one's it going to be? Is it me or her? 
So he immediately forces an overdose of sleeping pills down her throat and strangled her while she slept. He had chosen Catherine. Uh, he chose Catherine over Nolene. They took their body, her body to the forest but buried it away from the others. Catherine reportedly got great pleasure and throwed in sand in person's face while burying her. Fucking arsehole, innit? Um, and I'll tell you one more thing later, what she does, because it's fucking disgusting, this woman. So then that brings us on to the 5th of November. So that ain't even... We was on the 1st, so that's four days. Mm. But the, he's had her for three days, so it's literally the next day, I'd say. They abducted 21-year-old Denise Brown. She was waiting for a bus on the Sterling Highway. After a night out with a friend, Denise lived with her boyfriend and she was said to be fun-loving and a happy-go-lucky girl. She was a computer operator and she loved to go out with friends to a pub or a club. She was described that she would do anything for anyone. She was very trusting. Um, she accepted a lift from the Bernies. Again, seeing a female in the car, she's thought, I'm safe here. Um... She was so her sorry, she was out with a friend. They got into the car, he got out and left her in the car. Um, and because she felt safe with the pair of them at knife point, Brown was taken into the house in oh god, Willoughby. Yeah, yeah, she was chained to the rape bed, raped, and the following afternoon, she was taken to the Wanneroo Pine Plantation. Safety in the seclusion of the forest, David Burney then began to rape her in the car while the couple waited for darkness so they could drag her out and assault her. Uh, David assaulted her again and plunged a knife into Brown's neck while he was raping her. Convinced that the girl was dead, they dug a shallow grave and laid her body in it, but Brown sat up in the grave. She wasn't dead, Kaz. So she's feeling everything. Oh. David Burney then grabbed an axe and struck her head full force twice on the skull before burying her body in the grave. Catherine said this murder was the one that broke her. She said it's it was horrific. Whether he had given her the other's sleeping tablets, she could handle that because they didn't feel it. They didn't know what was happening, basically. I call bullshit. Between, she was willing. Mm. I think she's saying this to cover her ass. Yes, she, this one does sound horrific. Yeah, yeah. Compared to the others, yeah. But the others saying, didn't have any blood spill, did they? No. But she's saying this one just broke her, and she, this is when she thought, "This oh, is a bloodbath." Yeah, and I've got, I can't do this. Mm. I can't do this no more. But I, I think that's bullshit. I think she can do it because of what happens next. Well, it just shows her selfishness. Mm. She doesn't care these women being killed. She no. just don't like to see the brutality. Of the it. brutality. Yeah. She can't handle the bloodshed. She's mm-hmm. probably like can't deal with blood because she doesn't yeah. mind strangling 15 no. year olds does she it's no. not the death that's upsetting her it's the blood the blood oh that's true it's yeah, the axe in the skull yeah. and the knife in the neck yeah. that's making her feel crazy mm-hmm. she's just thinking about herself as usual yeah that's what i think anyway yeah no that's a good way of looking at it yeah because i was just like she's talking shit because she's doing it she's yeah. killing people she's taking life mm. even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah, so um, there's a, I have a little snippet here about Denise. Mm-hmm. So after, after the Bernies was, was caught and stopped, a 19-year-old eyewitness came forward. Mm-hmm. And um, she said she was walking home from work one evening when the Bernies pulled over and they offered her a lift. And she weren't very far from home, so she declined the lift. She said, I'm fine, I can walk. And they were quite insistent. They were like, she was like, it's fine, walking's healthy, I can walk, it's fine. Mm -hmm. Um, She looked in the back and she saw, she thought it was their son asleep in the back seat because it was somebody who had short brown hair. Denise has got short brown hair, isn't she? Yeah. And uh, she said, um, in hindsight, she realises that that was actually Denise Brown in the back seat. So she must have been oh. unconscious, I suppose, at that point. Maybe they gave her sleeping pills, but she came round when... Because they were in that forest a long time, weren't they, waiting for night to yeah. fall? So she must have become conscious again. So I expect they drugged her to get her in the car. And, um, yeah, luckily this, this 19-year-old didn't get in the car with them she said she thought it was their son but she said something about the the shape of the person made her think it was a woman Mm -hmm. and now she knows that it it probably was denise brown so yeah green in it yeah i don't like that they they haven't even like disposed of denise they're already trying to find the next victim yeah before they've even completed what they're doing with denise it's it's really escalating isn't it yeah Spiraling. So this brings us up to the 10th of November, 1986. So all these crimes happen in the space of a month. It's a proper spree, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, 17-year-old Kate Moore. Moore? Moore? Um, sounds like you're kissing, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, Moore. So, um, yeah, she, this is how they say, a half-naked teenager, hysterical, runs into a Fremantle supermarket screaming blue murder like us yeah. about um how she's she told the cops that she'd been hitchhiking off the sterling highway that same place again and that she'd been abducted and raped and held at more at a house at morehouse street the night before so she's got out the next day mm-hmm. she spent the night in this house fucking awful fucking she hell. said that they tried to give her a sleeping tablet but she'd spat it out thank god because i mean if she'd have gone to sleep god knows what they'd done to her but she'd spat it out so i think she stayed awake all night um while she was in the house she left clothes around the house she's quite clever she kind of thought she wasn't going to make it um the fact that she'd been like brutally raped and etc etc but they'd let her see their faces and she knew where she was she pretty much knew she wasn't going to get out of it alive so she wanted to leave clothes that she'd been there so when the investigation happened into her murder they could they could prove that she'd been there. Wow. So she hid a packet of cigarettes. She hid her driving license. She spat that pill out. And um, I think she left maybe one or two handwritten notes as well because they did give her a pad and a pen to write letters to her family again, like they did with um, yeah. with um, Susanna. Mm-hmm. Um, but she said, so the next morning he's gone to work at Breaker's Yard. So she was left at home with um, Kathy. And she said she decided to befriend Kathy. And I think that saved her life because um, Nolene... She picked the wrong one. She decided to befriend David. Yeah. And I don't think David had the power, did it? It sounds like Catherine... Catherine's the one she should have befriended because this has worked for Kate, thank fuck. She befriends Kathy. She gets Kathy to trust her. And um, she persuades Kathy to untie her. So they put her in around the house, doing whatever they're doing, I don't know. And there's a knock at the door. It's the drug dealer. So um, Kathy quickly shoves her in the bedroom... While she's sorting out the drug deal, um, Kate legs it out the window. <laughs> yeah, the bedroom is at the front of the house, so she manages to squeeze through the window and she gets out and she just runs away. She knocks on a few houses, but no one's home, so she keeps running until she gets to the supermarket. Wow. Um, and, yeah, so she leads the cops back to the house. And they don't, it's really weird. They don't seem that inclined to believe her, and I couldn't really understand why. I listened to this quite a few times in the podcast, and I don't know why... They wouldn't believe her. It's very strange. Yeah. Like, it wasn't until they got into the house and found all of these things that she told them were there mm-hmm. that they actually believed her. They, But, I mean, why would you be running around screaming, like, screaming your head off Blue with murder, hardly yeah. any clothes on in a supermarket for no reason? It's just weird. I, I think it was a different time. People yeah. weren't believed as much as they are now. I, I listened to one podcast and I thought, oh, that's interesting. They said that... Um, 
there was two young guys who came to the scene. Yeah. And they didn't, they were less inclined to believe, but it was a young woman that came to look at the house with them. She believed her straight away. Do you mean the WPC? Yeah. Yeah. And it was her that took her word for it and Mm. it was her that was trying to... She took her statement. Yeah. So I don't know if she came to the house, but she took the statement Mm. because they took her back to the police station first of all. So before they even went to house investigated, Mm -hmm. she was the one who convinced her superiors to look into it. But yeah, they found the house and they were waiting. When they got back, nobody was home. Um, So they just waited in the car until they turned up and then um, Catherine turned up. And they arrested her. And um, so they interviewed one of the neighbours called Nadia Jolly. I think she lives next door. Mm-hmm. And she said all the neighbours were shocked. <laughs> <laughs> they were all shocked. Everyone's a bit like the West, isn't it? It's yeah. like, oh, really? Yeah. Cheeky Fred. Um, Katie, when she described the couple, she described David as having a very long nose. And then I listened to this before I watched the doc. And then I was like, God, he has got a really long nose, actually. Yeah. It's not, he wouldn't say big or he's got a really long nose. And this is on the money. And she described Catherine as never smiling with high cheekbones. And it is. She's described as sour-faced, yes. which is a spot on. Spot on. She's really sour-faced. She looks like she's never smiled in her life. Yeah. And she's got very high cheekbones. Yeah. It's like, oh, wow. Okay. Bang on the money. So, yeah, they obviously arrest them, take them in for questioning. And immediately their defence is, well, yeah, we picked her up. She came back. We smoked some weed. We had consensual sex. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it was like, well, <laughs> no, that's not what Kate's saying. She it was she was kidnapped. She was held against her will. Obviously, they didn't clear up. The handcuffs were still on the bed and all, all of the pl- things that she'd planted to prove that she'd been there were still there. So it lent a lot of credence to... Um, she was an extremely clever girl then because who would think to do that? She must have honestly thought she was going to die. It's terrible, isn't it? Yeah. Age 17. I think she said something along the lines of... It's not saying you're upset, but it's just something that you know is going to happen. She had a very clear mind. Sometimes you hear that, though, don't you? People, when they're put in peril and danger, you hear um, some of the survivors of um, Anders Brevik said the Mm -hmm. same thing, that that instinct, just you get that clarity when you're in panic mode and you you wouldn't usually have, yeah. Um, So I do have a little quote here Mm -hmm. from... um, from Catherine. Yeah. She said something about why she let her go. Oh, here we are. There we are. So, because obviously she kind of did let her go. Yeah. She she left her unattended and she weren't tied up. So, um, she said, I think I must have come to a decision that sooner or later there had to be an end to the rampage. I had reached the stage where I didn't know what to do. I suppose I came to the decision that I was prepared to give her a chance. Her, by her she means Kate Moore. Mm-hmm. I knew that it was a foregone conclusion that David would kill her and probably do it that night. I was just fed up with the killings. I thought if something didn't happen soon, it would simply go on and on and never end. Deep and dark in the back of my mind, I I I had yet another fear. I had a great fear I would have to look on another killing like that of Denise Brown, the girl he murdered with the axe. I wanted to avoid that at all costs. In the back of my mind, I'd come to the decision that I really didn't care if the girl escaped or not. So exactly what you said, she yeah. just couldn't face another brutal yeah. axe murder. She, It sounds like um, it fucked with her mind. Because yeah. it would fuck with your mind. Of course it would. 100%. So, that. so, so over to you, my lovely. Yeah, so they're sent to trial. And when sent to trial, Kaz, this is what really is, makes me angry. Mm. The couple were allowed to sit with each other, hold hands, whisper in each other's ears, have a joke. It's weird, isn't it? Why is that allowed? Know. Why the fuck is that allowed? It shouldn't be allowed. Joking. It's funny, isn't it? Because yeah. Australia had only two years before got rid of the death penalty. Yeah. They're hardly lenient. No. So I don't know why they got away with it. I don't. Well, there's more to this as well because mm. I'm, I'm still furious. So David Burney pled guilty on all four counts of murder and one count to each abduction and rape. And when asked why he had pled guilty, he gestured towards the victim's families and said, it's the least I could do. Mm-hmm. What a prick. It's the least he can do is plead guilty after all their torment because of what he's done. To be honest, I get what he means because there's there's been other cases where they've made the families sit through all that shitty, horrible, disgusting evidence because they wouldn't plead guilty. So yeah. at least he's spared than that. Yeah. So he was sentenced to four terms of life's imprisonment. But the na- nation are going wild for this. They don't want it. They're saying... 
string them up, bring back the death penalty, they're not happy. Um, after being found sane enough to stand trial, Catherine was also sentenced to four terms of life imprisonment. Um, under the law at that time, they both were required to serve 20 years before being eligible for parole. So the 3rd of March 1987, Catherine was sentenced to life imprisonment. The judge said, in my opinion, you should never be released. You should never be allowed to see David again. She was dragged out, kicking and screaming and spitting at people. <laughs> A psychiatrist said she was totally dependent on David. It was the worst case of personality dependency she had ever seen in his whole career. It was, though, wasn't it? And again, the nation's fuming. They're saying, string them up and kill the bastards. I just love Aussies. String them up and kill the bastards. Yeah. Oh, oh well sorry. done. No, no you've done well. Was it? Done better than what I would do. <laughs> saying that when I do a push voice, people ask me if I'm Australian. <laughs> Don't know where. So um, when Bernie heard these chants leaving court, he turns around to the crowd and blows him a kiss. Oh. Did you notice though in that video, mm -hmm. his face was well fucked up yeah. because he'd been beaten up in prison? Yeah, I thought that felt good. So I did think, mm, well, if you're going around blowing kisses in prison, no wonder yep. you've got a face like a fucking, you've been in A&A. &A. Yeah. <laughs> so initially, initially, David was held at a maximum security for mental prison, but he was soon moved to solitary confinement to keep him from coming to harm from other prisoners. Mm -hmm. Good. The original death row cells were converted for him and he stayed there until pris the prison closed in 1990. The cell can now be viewed on the Great Escape Tour, held daily, at, so you can go and see it. Oh, God. Yeah, so while incarcerated, the Bernies exchanged more than 2,600 letters but were not allowed any other form of contact. Why is that allowed? Why are they allowed? Rose and Fred was never allowed to talk again, was they? I think they could write to each other. Really? Yeah. I thought, why though? If you've committed these crimes as mm. a couple, and they were for, as a couple would, why the fuck should you be allowed to talk to each other? You shouldn't be allowed. I don't know where they're getting the money for them stamps. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there is that. So David Burney was found dead in his cell at, oh my God, Kulsaraya Prison on the 7th of October 2005. He was 55 years old. An inquest found that he had hanged himself from an air vent using a length of cord. So the prison failed. It sounds like the South African prison I'd done not long ago. Yeah. That they failed to get him his antidepressants on time. So it made his depression worse. And his computer had been confiscated. And he was suspected of sexually assaulting another prisoner. And he knew he was going to get like beat up for it mm. he knew that I think it's more that than the other two not the computer getting taken away from him and not the antidepressants I think it's more that he shit himself because he's tried to touch up someone <laughs> so this made me so angry he was described by a former prison officer as a model prisoner who looked after injured animals oh really yeah oh well he's not that bad then <laughs> joke Joke, joke, joke. Yeah, he's been like, oh, it's just a prick. Catherine weren't allowed to attend his funeral. <laughs> so she's imprisoned at Bandy Up Women's Prison. So she, since being incarcerated, she's worked as a prison librarian and ah, oh, and then appeared in a prison comedy production of The Nunsies. Mm. Nice for her, eh? Yeah. Nice. So in 2007... She starts applying for parole, guys. Yeah, because she's at 20 years, isn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So she's hit the 20 years, she starts applying for this parole, and it gets rejected. And I'm going to try it. Bear with me. So the, the then Attorney General of Western Australia, Jim McGinty, said that the release was unlikely while he reminded Nephis he should never want never for her to be released. Her case was to be reviewed again in January 2010, five Three years later. However, on the 14th of March 2009, a new Western Australian Attorney General, Kristen Porter, following the request from the victim's families, determined that she would stay in jail for life. Yeah. <laughs> this woman, uh, this decision makes her the third Australian woman after Catherine Knight 
and Patricia Byers to have her papers marked never to be released. Her appeal of this decision was turned down in March 2010 by Porter. However, a case may be up for review again in 2019. Her fourth bid for parole was declined in 2016. <laughs> um, in 2016, the Bernal's final victim who survived became a campaign to end Western Australian laws that automatically put convicts up for parole every three years. I think I agree. Mm. Um, Moore, Moore, Kate Moore, yeah, Kate Moore has stated Bernie has never even applied for. Uh, stated that, oh, I don't know, has never even applied for a pro. In two thousand and seventeen, her youngest son Peter, Catherine's youngest son Peter, called for her execution wishes and said he just wants her to hurry up and die. Yeah, I thought that was a bit harsh. Nah, <laughs> not at all. He stated that his association with Bernie has resulted in him being assaulted. Mm-hmm. He supports Maya's campaign of no parole. She's still alive today. And in the words of her son, hurry up and die. <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. So I she's think, still um, there. Yeah. Well, I think um, Tanya, his... His daughter from mm-hmm. his first marriage, very similar sentiments. In fact, she's gone on the record to say she's never going to have kids just in case she spawns wow. another David Burney. Wow. That's a very strong feeling that they, they really... It is. I mean, God, yeah. It, there's no question wow. about what this couple is... People think of this couple over in Australia, is it, really? No, not at all. Not at all. Jeez so, Louise. Yeah, that's it. Very similar to Fred, isn't it? He, yeah, He killed very. himself and Rosie's still in prison. Same with uh, Catherine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so there's a couple, there's one or two people that's, because there was quite a long period between him stalking that young estate agent. Yeah. And the first victim. Yeah. So I think the police started to look back at that year to see whether there was any unsolved, like, missing persons and stuff. They came up with one. Um, there was a young woman called Cheryl Renwick. She was 33 years old and she went missing on the 25th of May, 86. This is about, what's that, five months before their kidney spree began? Yeah. Uh, she was a single mum she had, of two girls. Mm-hmm. Um, she had been stalked by a couple for about a month and it got so bad that she actually moved house, but this couple managed to track her down and carried on stalking wow. her. Um, they called her, like her daughter said she heard her on the phone, like crying, playing, please leave yeah. me alone and that sort of thing. One night the girls were home alone and they left the front door open to catch a breeze and she said this random woman just walked in the house. She couldn't see her face because she had a scarf over it but she had the same sort of build as Catherine Burney. So it could have been her, it may not have yeah. been, but it could have been her. Um, and then there was another night I when... Cheryl's, it is Cheryl, isn't it? Cheryl, yeah, Cheryl's um, friend was over. And um, another, a couple turned up at the house again. Um, now, this friend, she saw them and she did ID Cafe. She said, yeah, that is the woman who came, I, who was knocking on the door, pestering my friend, pestering wow. Cheryl before she disappeared. Cheryl's body was never found, although her car was found left at Perth Airport. Ah, so it's pretty similar to what they did. Yeah, exactly. Um, once the Bernie's been captured, they did ask um, Michelle. I think Michelle was Michelle's eldest daughter to come and identify some clothing and stuff, mm-hmm. that, possessions and things like that that they'd found at the home. And I think Michelle did say that she spotted some of her mum's clothes, like there was a jacket that her mum used to borrow from, things like that, and they were there. But I think it was a case of the police already had them; they didn't need to spend more time and resources when they've already got their couple. They've already got their people. Yeah. Um, but obviously, poor Cheryl, she's out there somewhere. No justice. The Bernies, yeah. if they were responsible for her, haven't divulged where they've left her. Um, at the same sort of time, so 27th of June, 86, there was a lady called Barbara Weston. She was a 38-year-old mum of two and she was last seen at a tavern in Sterling Highway. Their stomping ground. Yeah. Um, she was known to hitchhike home. Her body was found about a month later, but the killer was never found. So that's sort of banging that time as well. It could have, yeah. she could have been, but there was no, they never admitted it or anything like that. Um, 
I know like during the trial, no, it wasn't during the trial. It was before the trial. It was when they was first captured. They wanted the police wanted to find out where the bodies were. So um they took the Bernies to the shallow graves and I mean she hated Nolene so much she spat on her grave. Yes, that's what I wanted and to And again, and you yeah. know you're just like, Why are the police letting them do mm. that? Why yeah. are you letting it oh but she really, really hated Nolene mm-hmm. to the point that she did that. Fucking um, vile fucker. Yeah. There was another woman they were trying to pin on them called well, it would have been wouldn't have been them because it was in nineteen eighty, so it was before they were together. A woman called Lisa Mott. And um but to be honest, uh Kerry alibied him, she said it that yeah. she remembered the day for some reason he definitely weren't around, he couldn't have done it. So yeah, there was those three women that could have God been added them. to it, but there's no way of knowing to be honest. So that, my friend, is the case of the Bloody Bernies and the House of Terror. Yeah, I was trying to help you out there and I yeah. couldn't. The Bastard Bernies is the best one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the more, more house murders. So, um, yeah. yeah, good case. Very good case. I'd never heard of it, Joe. No. 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 But, yeah, um, I'm sure if you was Australian, you would have known about it. That's for sure. Do you live from a damn place down No, I can't do it. Right, we'll do it. So, yeah, um... Thank you for listening, everybody. We Thank hope you have you. a good week. Um, if you want to listen to a bit more content, we do have a Patreon, so pop over there if you like. You can get early access to our episodes and a few more bits of waffle that we do create and put on there. Uh, Why not give it a try? We've got some great episodes <laughs> over there. Uh, yeah, but thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. We know that you could listen to any podcast under the sun. We hope you like ours. We hope. <laughs> Enjoy your week, and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.